Hey everybody, this is Senior Pastor Joshua B. Carson saying thank you for tuning into the CT Podcast. We hope that your time here, whether you're driving down the road or whether you're sitting at home with a journal and listening in, we hope that it's effective. Maybe it'll be inspirational, encouraging, maybe it'll be thought-provoking. Regardless of what session you're listening to, we truly pray that this is a benefit to you and to your family. God bless and enjoy the podcast. Acts 28, I want to read verses 1 through 6. 1 through 6. And when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melite. Modern day. The island of Malta is what that would be called. So if you have a translation that reads that way. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness. For they kindled a fire. Received us every one. Because of the present rain. And because of the cold. So it was foreign. It was rainy. And it was cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks. It's one thing to have a fire. It's another thing to keep it going. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire. There came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand. Could that have been written more descriptive? They said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer. Whom though he hath escaped the sea. Yet vengeance suffereth. Not to live. And they were a little more right than maybe they knew because there was a time in his life. We've all got stuff we should pay for. Mm. Vengeance suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen. Should have fallen down suddenly. But they just watched him for a great while. and Saw no harm come to him. I would speak to somebody before I finish this scripture and say there's some people just watching how you're going to react. When they saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds. And said that he was a God. I want to preach for a little while what I feel from the Lord today about the difference between creation and revelation. The difference between creation and revelation. Would you pray with me that the Lord would help it get from my mouth to your ears, from your ears to your mind, from your mind to your heart. Come on, every person in the room, pray for yourself right now that God would let His Word do its work in your life. 
Come on, pray that. Every person, from the newest member to the most seasoned, God, let your word do what it needs to do in my life today. Help me be receptive and responsive to the word of the Lord. We pray it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And let everybody in the building say amen. Now before you're seated, turn to two or three people and tell them there's a difference between creation and revelation. After you've told them, you may be seated. It's just a little bird, small bird, and you'll see a short video behind me of what is known as the Viri thrush bird. Little brown body, its notable white belly. Pretty little thing. I apologize to the bird lovers to know as a child he would have been in trouble. I hear the mixed reviews in the crowd. I, when I was a child, I thought as a child. Thank you very much to our media team for showing that. I would tell you that this specific bird has been the thing of much scientific study. I am enamored by the reality that people study everything. This particular bird, however, has been the thing of study in many and multiple scientific Research efforts have been used because of the particular nature, something that they consider as though hidden in this particularly designed animal. It's a summertime bird often found in the northern parts of the United States and in southern Canada, but Soon, right around this time of year, this brown-feathered, white-bellied bird, as the article reads, will make its monumental move, migrating thousands of miles south. Sarah Gibbon writes, It is a dangerous journey across the Gulf of Mexico and the Caribbean Sea to South America, where it will spend its winter. It only weighs about 30 grams. However... If a hurricane happens during that migration, there are birds that will have automatically and inevitably avoided it. The study published in the Journal of Scientific Reports showed that for two decades, the Viri thrush migration patterns from Delaware to South America accurately predicted the intensity of the Atlantic Basin hurricane season. The reason that these particular birds, these tiny 30 gram birds have been the thing of study with their beautiful little chirping is not because they look so different even from the regular sparrow. Now some here could disagree, but to the untrained eye, they seem to look very much like a small bird. But there seems to be something that is baffling scientists that intrinsically woven and hidden within them is the ability to predict when a hurricane is coming. 
The ability to avoid a storm, and they're trying to research, is it the smell of the air? Is it the feel of the wind? Is it the dynamics of the pattern? And truthfully, I must submit to you, I don't care. (laughs) But I do wish this much. I wish I had that ability. And spiritually, I wish you had that ability. Don't you wish that once you began to live for the Lord, that you could predict when a storm is coming? That you could smell a little something in the air, you could feel a little something. And I know that there is discernment, lest anybody get out your theological cap and you wonder, well, wait a minute, what about discernment? I I tell you this though, everybody in this room that has any seasoning at all, both when you were living for the Lord and even if or when you were not, you have found it rains on the just and the unjust. And to somehow think that simply because you're living for God means there will be no storm is a philosophy and a truth I cannot find in this timeless text. But what I can find is that if you let him in a storm, he'll keep you in a storm. And I would even venture this far to say, and it might be hard, I don't know who'd want to get on board with me here on this Sunday, but I would even venture, I've been in some storms I needed to go through, I just didn't know it at the time. I've I found myself in some times, and we'll call them hurricanes or spiritual typhoons maybe here today. If I would have known they were coming, I would have, invo- I would have avoided them. I, I would have done my best to wait or to curtail or, or to just 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 give it a little pause for a little bit but the truth is I've come out on this side of the storm and I found out there were things that storm put in me oh help me now There were things that storm put in you. There is a level of faith that does not happen without certain storms. There there is a level of expectation. I, I recently told one individual, I said, what you're living in will become the platform of your ministry to the next person that you encounter that is walking through this right now. There are men and women across this place under the sound of my voice and only because you have lived through a season where the finances were tight and the money was not there and you've watched the Lord show up can you now speak to some young couple and tell them I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread somebody in this room that had to go through the storm of a difficult season in your mind and you suffered depression or anxiety it came out of nowhere and and like a hurricane it, it, it just appeared like the recent tornado that swept through Greenwood less than one block from my house nobody told told me it was coming the next day. I wouldn't have left my children there while I was here. But nobody told me that it was coming. They said there's a possibility. But ladies and gentlemen, it seems like there's always a possibility. And that depression or anxiety, and for some of you, it's right now. But you need to know that around this house today, there are people that used to be where you are today. And they made it through that storm so that you... 
I need real people that'll help me on a Sunday, that'll be honest. You were there where you were gonna lose your mind, but God came through and he kept you. You felt the rain and you felt the wind and you felt the waves, but here you are, you're here, you're here, you're here. And somebody battling depression, you need to know you're not alone, this too shall pass. There may be weeping tonight, but joy, I said joy is coming in the morning. There is a morning coming. There is a morning, I feel like telling somebody, there is a morning coming. There is a morning coming. I feel the day breaking. I feel dawn in the air. I feel the clouds beginning to part. But when you've been through a storm, when you've endured a storm, Many of you in this room, let me put it to you practically this way. When you were a child, a storm wore you out. Mommy, mommy, daddy. It started storming and you ran to your parents' room. Some of the same people who were terrified of storms as children are the same people in this room that hook up a device in your room to sound like a storm. Be honest, wave at me if that's you. You listen to thunder and rain and stuff like that when you, come on, you lie, you fry. The stuff that scared you then. Can I tell you in our maturing as Christians, we ought to get to a place where the storm doesn't scare us as much when we know the one who creates the storm, who creates the peace again, who keeps us. I'm not asking if you're in a storm. I'm asking you, is he still able to keep you? Is he still able to sustain you? Uh-huh. Elbow your neighbor and tell him he'll keep you through the storm. God, get rid of the storm. I want to change that prayer. To God, keep me. Now, there are some storms that God allows and there are some storms that we create. Worst thing we can do is create a storm we blame on God and then wonder why. There's a difference between creation and revelation. Developed into this little bird, this little Tweety bird. Seems to be something woven within it by the creation of God. Now, if you don't agree with this, I don't care. He is the God that created the heavens and the earth. He is the God that divided land from sea. He is the God that made every fish that swims, every mammal that breathes and walks, and every fowl of the sky was the beauty of his creation. He is the creator. He has, he does, and he will have the ability to take nothing and create something. He is the creator. And hidden within his word is the ability to see both creation and revelation. I will tell you, Paul was his creation because Paul was man. Even though they were soon, even in our opening chapter, to look at him and confuse him for a God. He was just a man. And we know in his later coming epistles that he would even have to be very clear of that. You are not of Paul. You are not of Apollos. But of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a created being by God, 
He had a revelation on that road to Damascus. And it so changed his life that he could not continue in the way he was going. How many believe that once you get a revelation of God, it should affect you as the creation of God? When I really get a revelation of who he is, I will not allow the world to tell me what I was created to be. I will allow his word to tell me what I was created to be. And so we watch creation and revelation in the life of Paul. But if you would allow me to boil it down to a more simple state, I would like to focus in on the spirituality, yes, but mostly on the practicality of what is occurring here within the 28th chapter of Acts since the Lord will so not let me go from this particular chapter and this particular experience. We know that they have just come through a shipwreck. It is not the first one for Paul. He's been through this before. And his demeanor even on the boat in the previous chapter and his discussing it with the individuals from the leadership all the way down to the lowest ranking individuals on the boat. Paul had a calm presence because he had a word from God. He had peace in the middle of the storm. But notice that even Paul's language did not ever eliminate work because of peace. A peaceful word from God is not the elimination of my need to do my part. My job is to hear the word and to keep the word. Hmm. And he describes this to the men and we know that although there is a word from the Lord, they all still end up in the same ship that is ran aground. It seems like after Paul gets such a clear word from the Lord, the Lord should have allowed them to end up at a seaport where the boat could be tied off and they could say, I don't know how we made it out of there. But it can be really intimidating where you get a word from God that he's going to keep you and then the ship still runs aground. You get a word from God that everything's going to be all right, but when you peer over the side of the ship and you see that the waves are turning that little boat into toothpick anybody? You see what was your security blanket no longer being your security blanket. When you're getting orders that are coming down from the captain, those that can swim... That's your plan. Start swimming. Those that can't, grab a piece of the wreckage. Man, there's part of me that would like to just take time and talk about grabbing hold of the wreckage. Because there's people in this room, things in your life that wrecked. If you'd get a hold of it and kick your feet real hard, even the wreckage. Even the wreckage. The things you thought were speaking your destruction can be a part of what helps get you they grabbed a hold of wreckage and just started kicking their legs. But where we open up in the 28th chapter, we've got a bunch of wet-looking drowned rats that are washing up onto the scene. And I would submit to you today, nobody there looks like they were in the handiwork or the grace of God. Nobody looked at Paul nor none of them men and said, they look blessed. Don't they look? Look, look, at, look at the smile on that guy. You ever been camping and got caught in the rain? You ever taken a kid camping that wants to touch the tent? 
Some don't get that, some do. Touch the tent in the one place and all of a sudden water starts. That is not even remotely close to being on a ship. The ship is breaking up. The storm is still ensuing. But you got a word, everything's going to be all right. And I got to trust that you got a word. You know, sometimes you're the guy on the ship that's just got to trust that the crazy guy's got a word. That's how it works. And if that's how the Bible works, I want to follow what. And so they get, they get to the island of Malta, if you'll allow me to say it that way, Malta instead of. They get there and they come walking up on the island. And here we are, we're wet and we're cold. And if you look at the season, you'll see the temperature. You'll see that it is cold outside. You'll see that there is rain. And yet the people of that place begin to welcome them and begin to comfort them and begin to help them. They, in fact, kindle a fire. And Paul, as it were, goes and begins to gather. Most theologians would agree that it shows the character of Paul, that Paul is so uh, ready to still be a humble servant in this moment. It's not one. It's one thing to get a word. I want to reiterate this, but you got to take the word and the work. The word and the work. And I said it as I read the text, but I want to revisit lest anyone was distracted when I said it. They started a fire, but we got to keep this fire going. I would even rise to the occasion and tell you that if you know me at all, you know there is uh, something that is intrinsically woven within me. And I, I speak about it as oft as I can. How thankful I am for the fire that got raging here in Indianapolis so many generations ago. So many decades ago. The fire that started burning. But how many know that without fuel a fire dies? Without fuel, a fire is quenched and ceases. But if you will continue to add fuel to the fire, if you will continue to put those dry sticks, that's what it's saying in Acts 28, that Paul was gathering dry sticks and putting them on the fire. And as he placed them, how do you find dry sticks in rainy conditions? I'm telling you, you gotta work harder. You gotta get under the canopy of the overgrowth. You, you, you've gotta get to a place because you've gotta find what works in in this season and in this hour and that's what Paul was doing and he was putting those those wood those, those sticks on that fire and as he was adding them there was going to be the continuation of the fire I want to take a preacher's pause and tell everybody in this room it is our absolute and undeniable responsibility that what others have started with a raging fire we must keep that flame a burning we must keep that fire a going pastor Carson make more sense of that okay I thank God for what they did decades Decades ago, but unless we continue to put fresh, unless we continue to put fresh wood on the fire, the fire might go out. You say, wait a minute, are you talking about the fire of the Holy Ghost? The fire of the Holy Ghost isn't going to go out. No, it's not going to go out, but it's going to find somebody that is. It's going to find somewhere that is. I want the Lord to be able to clearly note we here at Calvary Tabernacle want to do everything we can to keep the fire raging and burning. Amen. 
Let me give you a different practical example. I've talked to so many in this house that when we talk, you begin to tell me about your grandmother or your great-grandmother, your grandfather or your great-grandfather and the patriarch of your family. But I want to ask you, what will your great-grandchildren say about you? What will the legacy of how you're living right now be? Because if one generation from now, two generations from now, three generations from now, if your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren should the Lord keep, if your your great-grandchildren and even their children if they're going to have apostolic DNA coursing through them. I tell you it is up to this generation right now to say we will not back down on doctrine. We will not back down on truth. We will not back down on a vigilance. We will not back down on vision or evangelism or outreach. We will not back down on the fruits of the Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit. We will not back down. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, long as I'm the preacher, I'm going to get up and say, He can do anything. He can heal cancer. He can heal blinded eyes. He can mend the brokenhearted. He can raise up the diseased. He can bless the wayward mind. He can bring the prodigal home. Why? We got to put wood on the fire. It's got to happen. But our practicals are, it's different in generation to generation. Let me give a, a real easy example. Our first praise song today. Let everything, that happen. And some of us are like, whoa! And some of us are like, what is this? It's how, where's Kay? It was awesome. I was up there like, Lord, everything. You know, that's almost Bible. What if you don't like the Bible because it's in a melody you're not used to? That's all right. That's good anyway. Here's what I would ask anybody that didn't like it. Don't you think you'd have liked it if that was wrote in 1970? Some of the stuff we sing right now that I think is, is great, my great-grandchildren, if the Lord tarries, are going to be like, what were they? And I'm going to be sitting in the building saying, you sing that when everything. Why don't we sing let everything anymore? We know it's true. It's human nature. Pastor Carson, are you taking a shot? No, I like it all. I like it all, but it's the way it works from generation to generation to generation to generation. You know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful this generation... I'm going to say something that's strong. I'm going to say something that's strong, and I hope you can hear me. But I'm telling you, there's more songs being written by oneness apostolic people right now than in all of our history. Some of the songs that we love so much were not even written by people full of the and I still like them. I still love them. But I want this generation to know, you get wood on the fire. You get wood on the fire. If we sing an old hymn, I'm going to run. I'm going to shout. But if we sing a new one, I'm going to run. I'm going to shout. It's not about the song. It's about the Redeemer. Yeah. And so... And so this is the worst part of the story. It's almost like I'm avoiding it. Paul carries the sticks. And what happens when he lays the sticks on the fire? 
If you're here and you like snakes, you're dismissed. We honor you. I'm just kidding. Kind of. Um, the Bible says that viper came up out of the fire and did what? It bit him, but it did more than bite him. It's one thing to take a bite. The dude just latched on. I'm going to just park here for a second. It's one thing to get bit. Terrible. It's another thing it won't let go. You talk about insult to injury. Being bitten. Oh, no. Being bitten, now you got a friend. And everybody that was there. If only they had known what all he escaped. <laughs> if only they had known about the beating. Brother Titus, if they would have known how many lawsuits he could have filed. He had a legal arm to stand on. But he was in this place where he was saying, I pressed toward the mark for the prize. Ooh. I got this high calling thing. And in the same breath, he's going to talk about the sufferings. Ooh. And there he is. Hear me. I want everybody to hear me. The viper was already there. Pastor Carson, we get that. That's not that deep. Okay. Let me say it in a different way. The viper was already there. No one fell out yet. Let me say it. The viper was already there. What are you trying to say? The fire did not create the viper. The fire revealed the viper. And I've come to tell somebody, I've got a word from the Lord. You're trying to do good for God right now in a way you never have. And you've just recently been not only bit, but something's tried to latch onto you. And I've come to tell you there's a difference between creation and revelation. Because you're at a place in your family that you're trying to grow spiritually like never before. There has been a fire lit in your family. And all of a sudden you've been bitten. You think because I'm trying to do this, there has been a viper that's come after me and created. In it's not. It's not been a creation. It's been a revelation of what's been laying dormant all along. Let me paint a picture for you. Had that viper not bitten Paul, you let that thing lay through the rest of that fall and into that winter and you let it get to spring. And I know this is supposition, but you follow me right now. It sounds like there were many people upon this island. You let that viper lay dormant for the rest of the winter and you let it get springtime and some young child's wandering 
We don't, read, we don't read but a verse farther to find out that there was sickness all over that entire island. There was sickness all throughout that body. We see two things in Acts 28 that I never hear anybody preach about. There was two different Greek words used for healing that happened here. There is the instantaneous healing and there is the curing over prolonged version of time. Those that like to study, go study it. We never talk about it, but there are both things. And in the church, both things happen. There is miraculous and instantaneous healing or miracles that happen. And there is healing that occurs. And both are by the grace of God. Both are by the grace of God. Anything, anything contrary to that is outside of this book. But in this place where this snake had been, this viper had been, you let it lay dormant for the rest of the year. Just imagine with me, if you will, it gets to the spring and some young boy is walking through and takes that bite and there is no man of God. There is no Paul. And I've, had, I've heard and I've had people preach and teach and talk about all the symbolism in this viper and I think that we can do that. But you want to know what I think it was? At the very boiled down, I think it was from the fall of man and creation that started and sin entered into the world and we got into this place where there was this needed statement that, that he's going to bruise your heel but you're going to crush his head. And I've come to remind everybody in this room today that while the viper may want to destroy you, this same gospel that we preach tells us that even the deadly serpents will not... And I'm not talking physical today, even though this was physical for Paul. I'm talking about spiritual things. There are families in this room right now that you feel like the viper has came out of nowhere and has been created and the devil has lied to you and told you, see, if you weren't trying to have revival in your home, why don't you back off of the devotion? Why don't you just taper on down on all your excitement and living for God? But I've come to tell you what it's actually been is the grace of God and the revelation that there is a viper that's been laying dormant and the heat has caused that thing to try to end you but I'm asking for your response to be what Paul's response was I'm not going to give this thing any more credit than it deserves I'm going to hold it right back over the fire that's why I believe when we gather now listen I'm going to tell you something that's why I believe when we gather, it doesn't matter whether it's at 9 a.m., 11 a.m., 2 p.m., 6 p.m. If you're one of those people that thinks we only should run aisles at 6.30 p.m., then you serve a different kind of God than I serve. He doesn't get better later in the day. I don't want any services where we play church. I want a fire raging in this place so that when people walk in, if there's a viper, they can shake that thing off. Come on, do we still believe in that? Somebody might have to shake it off. You might have to shake it off. Get off of me, devil. Get off of my arm. Get off of my family. Get out of my life. But if all we do, if we turn our attention from the fire to the venom, if I get my eyes off my mission and on to this distraction, then all I'm going to do is focus. Notice it took one, one viper, one viper to turn everybody else's opinion. He must be a murderer. Can I say this in the church? In the church, you better make sure you're the one getting bit, not doing the biting. You're going to associate with one side or the other. I tell you what I'm going to bite. I'm going to bite back on hell and tell him we are not going to be defeated. We are not going to be beat down. We are not going to be destroyed. 
He has created in us a new heart. I know this might even feel weird. Where are my worshipers? You just love to worship God. You don't want anything to stop. I wish right where you're at, you just start worshiping God. No music, no songs, no... Come on, you might help somebody else. Shake it off in the fire. Shake it off in the fire. I know you got a bad report. Shake it off in the fire. I know you're overwhelmed. Shake it off in the fire. Come on, aisle runner. Come on, dancer. Come on, leaper. Shake it off in the fire. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hand clapping. Foot stomping, aisle running, church of the living God. There's people in this room right now. It's not even your temperament, but you feel like getting out of your pew right now. You feel like doing something. I wish you would shake it off. Yeah, shake it off, shake it off, shake it off. They're watching you. They're looking at you. They're seeing what you're gonna do. Shake it off, shake it off. 